Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. So, now we're officially in the Christmas month, aren't we guys? I know some people don't like thinking about Christmas um, for various reasons. And I'm not one of them. I mean, my daughter-in-laws, they're putting up the trees like mid-November. I'm not that into it that it's going up then. But once we turn December, I start getting all festive then. I start, now it's officially the Christmas month. So we're in, uh, we're in December, the Christmas month. And today's message is titled, Christ Has Come. So most of you know that Christmas was all about when baby Jesus came to earth. So that's, that's the title of today's message, Christ Has Come. Now just in that title alone, Christ Has Come, that poses two questions for me. Now, they may seem obvious to you, or they may not, but let's have a look at the two questions it poses for me on on that title, Christ Has Come. The first one is, come from where and why? Because we can assume everybody knows the answer to them two questions, can't we? Because when you get to Christmas, you see all the nativity plays everywhere, and you've normally had kids' plays played out before you. But I want to look at these two specific questions today. So the content of today's message, we'll look at answering those two questions as much as we are able, okay? These questions will just automatically open up more questions and we will try to answer some of them. But some, some questions that that it opens up for you, you're just going to have to study in your own time. In a message that's been delivered in a church service, we can only ever scratch the surface of subjects in the time we have together, okay? But hopefully, we scratch it enough and reveal enough that me and you learn at least one new truth from that message. And that's what I've prayed for today, that me and you learn at least one new truth from today's message and that just scratching at some of these questions and revealing some of God's words It goes on to encourage us to explore God's word further, whether it's in a group, a Bible study, with your partner, or in his own time. So, question one. Remember what it was. Come from where? And it says this in John 1. The title, some of the scriptures, if not all, should come on the screen. I'll move across a little bit. And some of the scriptures have an heading depending on what translation I've given the media team. And it's not on the screen, but it says over this in John 1, the word becomes human. Oh, it does, it's there, the word becomes human. That's the heading over the scripture. And it goes on to say this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God, and the word was God. He was already with God in the beginning. Now, to break that down a little, the word refers to Jesus, okay? Because all things were created by the word of God. And the Bible says all things were created through Jesus, the word of God. And it goes on to say this in verse 3. Everything came into existence through him. Not one thing that exists was made without him. Verse 14, later on in that scripture, confirms this by saying... The word became human and lived amongst us. We saw his glory. It was the glory that the father shares with his only son. A glory full of kindness and truth. So this shows Christ Jesus came from God. 
And whenever you hear reference to the word of God, it is always saying either the, the exact thing, the Bible, is the word of God, or it's referring to Jesus, the Son of God. So, them, them things I've shared with you shows Jesus came from God. He was already with God, remember? I read that out. And he became human and lived amongst us. Now, that automatically flags up another question for me. Why would Jesus, who's already with God, why would he leave heaven and come to earth? He'd been there with God since the beginning. That's what it says. He'd always been. He's always existed. Everything exists because of him. If he'd always been in heaven, and if he'd always been with God since the beginning, then clearly he had seen how sinful and corrupt humans had become. Because they was all there before we was ever created. Okay? So Jesus had watched how sinful and corrupt me, you, and the rest of mankind had become. The Bible confirms this in Genesis 6, and it says this. So the Lord says, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. That's sad, isn't it? That God gets to the point that he actually says, and writes it down to be recorded, I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. Now, this message isn't about Noah, but I'm going to allude to Noah a few times within this message. I'm hoping that most of you, even at school, you know, when we were younger, if Christian was here, he'd make a comment now saying that wasn't long ago for him, because it was did hear about the story of Noah. But if you need to know more about Noah and that story, just speak to a team um, member in the group after. But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. And he goes on to say in verse 11, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. Yours truly was one of them. And I'd added to the violence on planet earth and I've testified that from up here before so thus far we had managed to sin so much at this point that God is intent on wiping us out all except Noah and Noah's family okay that's how much we've managed to now sin so God sent the flood and all living things except what was on Noah's boat died if you don't know the story, just very briefly, God had instructed Noah to build a boat, to get his family on it, and to have every type of animal. So there could be survival of the animals and man and woman after the flood had wiped out everything else, okay? So God sent the flood. All living things except what was on Noah's boat died. Because it wasn't a flood like we know. It was a flood with just really extreme heights of water. It entirely flooded the entire earth, killing everything. And I want to say, that's what happens when God's decided he's had enough. Okay? And he goes on to say in verse 13, So God says to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Not because of the animals, not because of Satan, he's not saying at this point, he's saying because of them, because of me, people like me. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth, because remember it said he regretted creating us, and he did. 
That's exactly what God did. And you see, sin always, always brings death. That's what sin does. It brings death, whether it's death of your peace, death of your joy, death of relationships. Sin, it, it nearly cost me my sanity at some points in my life, but it always brings death of some kind. So what happened then? Everyone is dead. We've just established that, except Noah and his family. Well, it says this in Genesis 8. Noah built an altar to God. He selected clean animals and birds from every species and offered them as burnt offerings on the altar. God smelled the sweet fragrance and thought to himself, this is where it starts to get better, guys. I'll never again curse the ground because of people. I know they have this bent towards evil from an early age. And I love this bit. But I'll never again kill off everything living as I have just done. That's what God starts to decide at this point. So God decided, although we knew we had this bent towards evil, he'd never again wipe us out with a flood, okay? Notice God said, we have this bent from an early age, okay? He didn't say, once you become adults, they start sinning and they go rogue. He didn't have this conversation with Jesus, you know, once they reach church age. He says, from an early age. From an early age, we have a bent towards evil. And this is because, whether you like it or not, I'm a mama. My youngest grandchild is only eight, nearly nine months old. But she was born with a seed of sin in her because it comes from Adam and Eve. All mankind come from Adam and Eve, okay? And because they sinned, we genetically carry that seed of sin in us. And that's why. God went on to say he'd even put a rainbow in the sky to remind him not to flood the whole earth again and kill off every living thing. And this is found in Genesis 9. He says, and I'll seal this promise with this sign. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds as a sign of my promise until the end of time. To you and all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will be seen in the clouds. Who's seen a rainbow? Yeah, everybody. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will be seen in the clouds. The rainbows you've seen. And I will remember my promise to you and to every being that never again will the floods come and destroy your life. For I will see the rainbow in the cloud and remember my eternal promise to every living being on the earth. So I'm hoping when you next see a rainbow, it, you're reminded of that. That rainbow I pointed out to my, I did to my children, I point out to my grandchildren. That rainbow is there to remind God of a promise he made to us all. And then I explain I start unpacking it for them. Not the same way as I'm unpacking it to you. You know, one's only seven years old. But I explain the rainbow and why the rainbow is in the sky. Now, just to get to some more raw truthful bits that I think we all grapple with. I've had times when I've wondered why God doesn't wipe out evil. When I hear things on the TV or read things, and you know what I mean, it's them things that make you that angry or make you cry or both. And who knows what I mean about that. You hear things of such evil and atrocity that your first, uh, I know, your first, you're astounded at how, how, how has God allowed this? Then you're angry. Some things have made me cry, particularly if it's children, whether it's war-torn countries or whatever. And I've wondered why God doesn't act. 
And this is why I shared all what I did with you to start the message off. Because what I wanted to show you, if you ever wonder why, like I did, God doesn't wipe out all evil, and you wonder why God doesn't tight, I want to say he did. That's what he did. I've just shared that with you. He was that fed up. He regretted he made us, and he all except Noah and his family, because Noah found favour, remember? He wiped us all out. So the next time you have that question, remember. Remember what I shared with you at the start of this message. God did have enough, and he did wipe us all out. But then being honest, I've only ever wanted him to wipe out what I consider evil. You know? When I became a Christian, I started reading the Bible. It's then I came to realise that all of us, just like God says, have a bent towards evil. You don't have to teach a toddler. When God says you have a bent towards evil from an early age, you don't have to teach a toddler to lie, do you? For you that's either had children or been around children, and you've been a child yourself, might I add, so you know your own childhood, you do not have to teach a toddler to lie. When my kids were younger and growing up, if, for example, I saw Crayon on the passage wall, because they'd always go to a room what you wasn't in, if they were going to be naughty, as did I. But if I saw Crayon on the wall, I had two sons, they'd both deny it was them. Now, I knew my husband could do things that really annoyed me, and let me tell you, he still does. I can say this because he's not here. But I knew he hadn't crayoned on the wall, okay? So I knew that it was one of the kids. You don't have to teach children to lie and to be naughty. It comes from the sin seed in them. So evil is evil. So you have to come to the point, if evil is evil, if he wipes out one evil, doesn't God have to wipe out all evil? Because he's a righteous judge. God isn't up there on the throne thinking, well, you know, I agree with Lisa. That one's worse than that one. I'm going to wipe out that kind of evil. So whether that's sexual offences or violence like I committed, people stabbing people, that's what I was found guilty of, that's what I did. I think that's worse than shoplifting. So I'm going to wipe out Lisa, but at this point I'll leave a mother who's never done this. There's something that's not quite right about this, isn't there? If, if you start thinking that God should act like that because God's a righteous judge and he says all, all are fought and short of his glory and his glorious standard. There's evil in all of us. So if he wipes out one evil, he has to wipe out all evil. And that is including my family and friends and your family and friends that's not yet saved. Okay? When we read the story of Noah, we can, for the most part, not be affected, can't we? We don't know those people. Or we can think, like I did when I was first reading it, when God's saying his heart broke, he was sad he made them and all this, I thought, oh, poor God, well, I'm glad you wiped them out. Well, that's, that's because they want my people, okay? And I thought, well, they must have deserved it if God did that. But what if that were now? What if that was today? And it was people we knew, or it was us and our families. Let me tell you, I'd want God to spare me and mine. And I'd want to be the family on the boat. Who else would want to be the family on the boat and not the family in the flood? So when we're reading these stories, it's easy, isn't it, to think, well, they deserved it, they, whatever we think. <laughs> but you've got to put yourself in that position. What if that was now? What if God did that now? I would want to be on the boat. So all mankind, all mankind died except one family because sin, evil was found in them all. And we broke God's heart. 
Let Let me remind us again of Genesis 6, what we read earlier, but in a different translation. Because sometimes different translations, different Bible translations, give you different angles of what what you can um, get a deeper understanding of what God's saying. And this this is what it says. At that point, God's heart broke and he regretted having ever made man in the first place. Now that we're all aware of how God has punished sin in the past and we're capable of breaking God's heart, we now arrive at the part of the message where hopefully we can appreciate the second question more. So all this was building towards the second question to hopefully grind up a better appreciation from your art, okay? Who can remember what that second question was? Anyone? There we go. And why? So Christ has come and why? Why Christ came? So let me show you verse 8 of that last scripture. (coughs) So although God had said... I know what I'll do. I'll wipe humanity, my special creation from the face of the earth, humans, animals, creeping things, and birds of the sky, for I regret I ever made them. Although he said that in verse 8, he goes on to say, although, sorry, he said that in verse 7, he goes on to say in verse 8, but there was one person whom the Lord could not let go of. Do you see, it says it a bit different in this translation, and I love this, he could not let go of Noah. Because this man pleased him. God could not let go. And I want to tell you today, that's exactly how God feels for every one of you. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you've lived through, God cannot let go of Sue, Ev, Lil, Neil, Betty, Nicole. His love is so great, what he says here, but God could not let go of Noah. God could not let go of Troy, of Tony. That's exactly what God says to you. God could not let go. Although he knows what sin we are capable of, he can't let go of you. And he can't let go of his anger towards sin. Because we know if God lets go of his anger towards sin, what happens? He wipes us all out. So he can't give in to that. He did that, remember. So what does he do then? If he can't tolerate sin, he doesn't want to see it, but he can't let you go, he can't let me go. What does he do? What can he do for us. Well, he chose to instead act in love and make a way he could forgive sin. That's the only thing God could do. He had to make a way. If he loved you and didn't want to let you go, he's got to make a way where he can forgive your sin and my sin. That's all that's left to do, isn't he? And that's where Christ comes in, the word of God, what we started with. That's where he comes into it. It says this in 1 John 3 eight. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil always tries to tempt me and you with sin, and that's because he knows sin brings separation between us and God. Sin, if, if this is me and God's there, if I'm willfully sinning and I'm not repenting of my sins, it puts a barrier between me and God. Between And the devil knows that. That's why he always tempts us to sin. This is what happened to him, you see. He was in heaven to start with. He sinned. And therefore, he was cast out of heaven. And you can read the account of this in Isaiah 14, verse 12 through to 14. If you need that, just see me after. It's where Satan was cast out of heaven for his sin. He hates us. He hates me. He hates you. And he wants to separate us from God. 
But it says Christ came to destroy his work, okay? The devil may hate us, it may hate me and you, but God loves me and God loves you. It says this in John 3, 16. And for some of you, you will have heard this many times. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And it says again in Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. 2 Corinthians 5.17 through to 19 says this, Therefore, if anyone is united with the anointed one, that person is a new creation. The minute you got saved, you became a new creation in Christ. The old life is gone, and see, a new life has begun. All of this is a gift from our creator God, who has pursued us and brought us into a restored and healthy relationship with him through the anointed one. It says he pursued us, and I love that. He couldn't give you up. Not only could he not let you go, he actually pursued you. That's what the scriptures show us. As I bring this message to a close, I want to finish by saying, I know that before I became a Christian, I never really understood the Christmas gift, if I'm honest. Right from school, they'd be talking about this Christmas gift, and, but I never understood it before I became a Christian. Christmas was when we got presents and we didn't feel as poor that day. Or it was stressful because we had to buy presents on little or no money. And that's true for some of you. Christmas, when we hear, oh, it's a gift, and it's this, we're thinking, I don't even know how I'm going to afford to do my kids' Christmas or my partner's Christmas. I don't know how I afford to, to even get food in. Some of us have had that. But in terms of Jesus, this is what I thought. I thought he was just a baby who was laid in a manger. And this is what I thought. God had some shepherd bring him some gifts. And you know, two of the gifts I didn't even understand. Who, who here knows the gifts? It was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, this is me when I used to hear that. Hey, you could bring me gold. I'd like the gold. I did not understand the old frankincense and myrrh. So I thought, the gift, well, it's a baby in a manger, and God sent some shepherds with some strange gifts. That's what I thought. Now, I believed he was God's son. I always knew that he was the son of God. And most of us, I think, if I'm honest, we accept that right from school, right from being told, right from being part of the nativity play. But I never understood why he came, okay? He was just this baby in a manger, God's son, that had some strange gifts. And he lived a wonderful life as an adult, but I never understood why he came. You see, for years, I knew I wasn't a good person, but I didn't know I was destined for hell. I didn't know my bad stuff was actually sin. I didn't know that caused separation from God. I didn't know that Christ came so I could be reconciled to God and have a special and personal relationship with him here on earth. And as the scripture says, then spend eternity with him when I leave here. But I know now, and you know now, because I've shared that with you this morning. Today's title, Christ Has Come, if you didn't fully understand before today, I hope you do now, that he came because of the choice of God. It's either wipe us all out, be done with evil, or find a way to forgive all of our wrongs, all of our evils, and that's why Christ came. If you already know, but have grown complacent over the years, so some people have been coming to church years, they know the Bible inside out, 
Some of them can, some people in this congregation might be able to find scriptures faster than, say, Christian or myself. But you may have grew complacent over the years. And I hope today has served as a reminder of a day, maybe years ago for you, that you received the gift of Christ. Christ has come. He came for me and he came for you. Okay? And I'm hoping that today's message makes you see that when you enter this month, this Christmas month and this season, that the, the truth that I've hopefully shared with you today, that God cannot let you go. That the God of heaven pursues you and wants you.